Hey guys, welcome to the seventh episode of the Trademark Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about who I think every club's player of the year has been, as well as uh, start a new segment where I'm going to be answering some of your guys' questions about uh, just footy and life in general um, that you've asked me on Instagram and TikTok. But firstly, we'll get into the Random Player of the Week, and this week's Random Player of the Week is David Wolfman-Williams. Now, he's one of the cold heroes of rugby league, the old Wolfman. He had a pretty impressive, uh, impressive career when you look at it. He played over 100 games uh, in the NRL, and uh, from 2008-2015, so he's actually won two comps um, in both 2008 and 2011 for Manly, and he's also played a couple of games for New, for New South Wales, for the Blues, and for Australia as well, and he scored two tries for the Blues and four tries for Australia. Now, unfortunately for Wolfman, his career was uh, come to an end because of two different sort of like, incidents, one of them being his betting scandal he was involved in 2014, and another one being like, due to retire because he had some neck problems and stuff in 2015. But yeah, like absolute crazy player back in the day, and he's definitely got fond memories for most rugby league fans. So one thing I wanted to touch on this week um, as well was the NRLW. So that came back last weekend, and we saw the Roosters, Knights, and also the Dragons coming away with wins to start off their campaign. And that's why I really want to quickly give a shout out to Jesse Southwell, who made her debut for the Knights at only 17. And what she, she managed to do, she managed to score a try, had four tackle busts, two line breaks, and 144 meters gained. And which is only second to Millie Boyle for the Knights in that one. Um, but yeah, her step's absolutely electric and she's already drawn comparisons to Ponga just because of the, the step, the headgear and the Knights combo all in one. But yeah, the, the future is so bright for her and just in general for the NRLW. And like the thing that I love especially about being a Dragons fan of the NRLW is it gives me and like teams, fans of teams such as the Titans and the Knights something to watch and get around like when their like, season's over for the, um, for the men's team. But what really excites me about how like the NRLW is how much it's growing. So Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton have just signed six-figure deals for the Knights, which means they can now play like pretty much be full-time rugby league players. So they can train constantly and all that sort of thing, improve better and get better at their craft, which is something that the other girls haven't had the opportunity to do, which is like the boys do, and that's one of the reasons why there's such a big uh, skill gap. But uh, so basically, like the more money that the NRLW can generate the more money the players can get so which therefore has a flow on effect of more professional players and then the quality of the games improve and so on like from there and uh, honestly I think in 10 years time we're going to be looking at NRLW as one of if not the biggest women's sport in the world because I think the skill gap um, it's definitely like it's a, a, not it's not as large as you think especially for how young the NRLW is and I think just the like the better it gets, the more money that's in there, the more resources, the better coaches and stuff the women's game can get. It's going to absolutely boom over the next like ten to fifteen years. So let's get into it now. The uh, best players from each club. So we're going to just go from uh, bottom of the ladder, work our way up. So the Tigers, you guys can be first this time. And for the Tigers, our player of the year is Jackson Hastings. So across sixteen games this season, he didn't manage to actually score. So he'll have fun doing a new year on a Mad Monday. But he set up seven tries for his teammates in a struggling Tigers side. And he also managed to average 135 running metres, which is heats for a half. He had so many touches of the ball every single game. It's just an orchestrator of that team. And I don't think the Titans managed to win a game without him this year, which really shows the impact he had on that side. So moving on now to the Titans, Tino Fa'asumalawi. So Tino definitely stood out as Titans' best player this year. They've had a really down year. Wanted to go back-to-back with finals, but fortunately didn't turn out that way. So across his 20 games he's played this year, he's crossed the line four times, um, as well as averaging around 
and offload a game and running 156 meters. So really, really pushing from the front there, as well as 29 tackles a game. So he's like led from the front in his work ethic and like trying to like bring his team with him. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely taken the role of captaincy very seriously, and he's leading from the front for his for the Titans. Now onto the Knights. This is a bit of a tough one. There wasn't too many standout players, but I had to go with David Clemmer. Um, it just like this year he's averaged 157 running meters or 40 hit-ups a game, while also boasting an impressive 97.5% tackle efficiency. So he's pretty much ta- like making all the tackles he attempts. And I just think uh, from what he's he's had a couple down years and he's stood up as probably Knights best forward this year over the two Saifidi boys. Um, obviously he's had that bit of a run in with the trainer and stuff. That, like towards his back end of the season, but the Knights at the moment are a bit of a club in a uh, bit of crisis. So I think David Clemmer can be pretty proud of his season he's had. Now, onto the Warriors. It's another team that is really like, sort of hard to find out like, a standout player. Uh, I think you can give a shout out to Tohu Harris, who always puts in like 110% effort for his team. Ewan Aikens had another decent year um, as well. It's Sean Johnson, last couple games, especially that one uh, back over in New Zealand um, against the Doggies, he played well. Well, he's had a down year overall, but Adafinor Blake is my player of the year for them. So he's fifth overall in the whole of NRL for post-contact meters which, with over 1,300, which is just ridiculous to think about. So with that, he's averaging 150 plus meters off of 12 hit-ups a game, as well as close to two tackle busts a game. So he's, he's had another good season. Now under the doggies, I think this one's pretty easy for me. Uh, I'm gonna give that one to Matt Burton. So over the second half of this season, Matty Burton has managed just to turn the dogs attack around. Uh, he's playing really, really well, finding his feet as a half in the NRL. Took a little bit of time to adjust just from playing center over at the Penrith, like over at Penrith last season, but and uh, play establishing establishing yourself and having influences on games as a half in the NRL is really really tough. So he's managed to have 20 try involvements this season, six tries for himself and 14 that he set up for his teammates in his 22 games this year. But what he's brought, other than his like try involvements and stuff, is just some fear in the opposition to his kicking game, which can't be underestimated. Just the psychological benefit that it has for the doggies. Uh, the Birdo bomb. It's been well documented and has absolutely tormented back threes across the uh, the league since he's uh, been able to like show it off. And I think with that, it's only going to be like continue to grow and develop his game. It's the start of him having some confidence to really flourish in the NRL. So now, over to Manly. I think especially from the start of the season, um, he's like he's kicked on in all areas of his uh, game since then. But his first half of the season was amazing. So we're going to go with uh, Hamole Olakawatu. So he started the year in scintillating try scoring form. Um, continued that across the season. He's picked up nine tries in 19 games as a back rower on Manly's right hand side. He's also running for over 100 meters a game. Um, he's tackling an impressive 92% efficiency on an edge as well. So um, good like, credit to him. And because of like Olakawatu's massive frame and his such damaging ball running, he draws in the defense and allows DCE to then like use him as a decoy and gives like like a lot of space out the back. To we've seen Garrick. Cooler and Tuvalotu on that right-hand side this year. They've like wreaked some havoc to the def- like side's left edge defensively. And it's a massive factor into why Cooler and Tuvalotu like, have been scoring so many tries in this like back half of the season for them. And uh, you can't underestimate, like, it's something that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. So, like, Olaquadra's presence really has helped Manly. Unfortunately, their season's got a bit downhill, but I think you still got to give credit to Olaquadra in a really good season. Now, over the Dragons, this one really pretty much speaks itself. Ben Hunt, running out of back positives to say about him, he's back absolutely been killing it this year. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people's picks for player of the season, including me. But in his 21 games this season, he scored six tries and set up 16 for his teammates, as well as 14 line break assists. And that's like 
amazing in a team of Dragons players who sometimes they look like they don't really want to be there. So uh, props to him. But his kicking game as well, his like, the way he's been able to control the game for the Dragons. So he's been kicking, he's been averaging over 400 kicking meters uh, this season as well. So he's got the most 40-20s this season as well with five. And I remember he also had a 20-40 in one of the games, which he had like two sets after kicking a 40-20. So he's like, form, like with the boot has been ridiculous. Now on to the Raiders. This is another player that a lot of people have in their team of the seasons. Um, and that is Joseph Tarpane. So it's, once again, so like with Brent Hunt for the Dragons, this one's an easy pick for me. Uh, he's been in a massive purple patch of form all season, which started with his really good game in the um, All-Star game for the Maldi side. Um, he's taking an average of 15 hit-ups per game for 161 metres, which is just ridiculous. And so uh, he's leading the comp in post-contact metres, as well as he's ta- like averaging 29 tackles per game at 95% efficiency. So his work rate's been off the charts this season. And in my opinion, he's a massive reason why the Raiders are pushing for a top, like for a, uh, spot in the top eight. So now onto the teams in the top eight with the Broncos. We're going to start off with Paddy Carrigan. Now, surprisingly, he's only played 13 games this season, but Paddy Carrigan's like he's been an absolute revelation for the Broncos this season. Has finally given Haas some help in the four pack. Um, so over this season, so I, I still think despite him playing 13 games, he's done more than enough to be their player of the season. Uh, and he's averaged um, over tackle bust and offload a game, and he's having 30 hit-ups for 140 metres, as well as 32 tackles a game, which is massive, especially playing in the middle forwards. Um, other players who give a shout-out to for the Broncos this season, um, Pack, Adam Reynolds, you cannot go past him as well, as well up there. Payne Haas, I think uh, those two players are a big reason why they were in the top four for a lot of the year, and now hopefully why they make the finals. Um, but we'll talk about that later. So, Souths... Um, I've got another player who hasn't played much footy at all. Um, Troy Mitt. He still leads the league in try in line break assists rather with 21 in just 12 games. So he's just popping people through holes everywhere. He's also scored six tries of himself and managed to set up 14 for his teammates. So he's got 20 try assists in 12 games. Not try assists, try involvements in 12 games. As well as five tackle busts a game and 100 run meters for the Bunnies. They just look like a completely different team. And that's another thing that's like you can't really see on the stat sheet. It's like, yeah, okay, he's playing well, but the team overall playing with so much more confidence whenever Latrell's out there, and they have just have the belief that they can beat absolutely anybody. Um, and then on to the Chookies now. So I think this player has cemented himself as one of the best in his position again, like probably of all time. James Tedesco, he's had an absolutely stellar year. He's leading the comp in tackle busts, and like, it just shows he continues to be an attacking threat as well as having... 12 tries scored for himself and 12 try assists to back it up. He's also averaging 216 metres a game. Let that sink in for a second. That is so ridiculous. Like you've got these front rowers averaging over 100 metres, and that's good. He's averaging double that. Um, and he's only second to Dylan Edwards in terms of run metres in the whole comp. And Teddy is like, a huge reason why the Roosters are humming so much now towards the back end of the season and really pushing for like, as premiership contenders. So, moving on to the Eels now, I think for them, my player of the year is Mitch Moses. I think Mitch Moses' mood almost decides how the Eels play, because when he is on, God, do the Eels play well. Like, as we saw in that game against the Panthers a few weeks ago, he pretty much won that game, like, off his own back, just how well he played, like, taking the team with him. So, he leads the comp in tri-assists with 22, and also having scored five himself. Um, so, yeah, Mitch Moses, as you, when you watch him play, just guys are tearing around the park so well. Like, he's averaging over 400 kicking metres. He's just one of the key pieces, like for the Eels if they're going to go on to make a, a charge in the finals. Now, onto the teams in the top four. 
For the Storm, I think that this one's pretty easy as well. Cameron Munster, another favourite for the Dallium. He's in, like, honestly, career-best form. He's had an incredible 25 try involvements in his 19 games this season, with 11 of them back being for himself, and then setting up 14 for his, like, his teammates. But the thing is, as well, like, it just shows how good Cameron Munster is as a player, is the fact that he's um, played, like, he's dominated the opposition this year in two positions. So he's absolutely ripped at 5'8", like he usually does, and has also, like, the last month or so, been killing it at fullback. And I think if the Storm managed to go on a run and win the comp this year, it's a huge part to the forward uh, Cameron Munster. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he takes out the Dally M this year. Now to the Sharkies, another player who is right up there for the favourites of the Dally M, Nico Hines. So he's coming to this club as the new halfback and like, taking them to the top four, and that cannot be underestimated how difficult that is, especially considering, yeah, he had a few games in the halves last year, but... He, looked, he also looked better playing fullback last year for the Storm. And he's come into a completely new environment, like move states and all that sort of thing. And as a new position, well, not like new position, you know what I mean. And it's absolutely ripped. He scored six tries himself, set up 14 for his outside man. And he's also got 20 line break assists, which is second in the comp to the trail. Uh, he's also, for a half, impressively averaging over 100 metres, um, 120 plus metres, rather, I should say, uh, running with the ball. And yeah, he's just a huge reason for the Sharks' success this season. And I think, uh, come Dally M night, him, Karen Munster, and Ben Hunt will be right up there competing for it. Now, the Cowboys, right, they could have a host of players that could be their player of the season, but I'm going to go with Valentine Holmes. But before we get into uh, his stats, I just want to give a shout-out to Chad Townsend as well, who, same sort of thing as Nico Hines, move clubs, take him to top four, as a halfback, ridiculous. Ruben Cotter's been huge this year. So has Tom Alolo, Scotty Drinkwater as well. Like Cowboys' whole whole team really just been like absolute career best form. Um, so yeah, with Val Holmes changing position to center, which personally I think is the hardest like position to defend at in center, and heck, he's made it his own. Is leading the comp in points and goals as well. And he's had nine try involvements out in like I think left center, um, and with seven of those being for himself. So he scored seven tries this year, averaging about three and a half tackle busts a game, as well as 145 running meters. And as I said, like that switch from fullback to centers, he's really like acclimatized well to that and been a massive attacking threat for the Cowboys this season. Now onto Penrith. So this one, a bit of a dark horse. It's not someone you usually would expect. Like usually here, uh, Isaiah Yo's, James Fisher Harris's, Nathan Cleary's is their player of the year. But I'm going to go with Dylan Edwards. Now he leads the comp in all runs, run meters, kick return meters, and that's what like. Honestly, his kick returns is one of my favourite parts of his game. Whenever he gets like the te- other team kicks the ball down, he just gets sprints it back super hard, and I just absolutely love it. And, like, as well as all these stats, he scored eight tries for himself, set up six for his teammates, and averaging four plus tackle busts and running for two hundred and twenty meters a game, which has really stood out. Like, which has made him really stand out as a premier fullback this season. A lot of people like had him as like a top five or six fullback in the comp. I think now, honestly, this season is not like. It's not outlandish to say he's probably been top three and is one of the best fullbacks in the comp. So now on to our round 24 round preview. And we're going to start off with Broncos versus Eels. There's a lot riding on this game for both sides here. With So the Eels are in fifth at the moment, only two points off the top four. But they're also two points off the Broncos in eighth. So this could like really swing at like the look of the top eight this game. And the Broncos last week, they put in a very, very lackluster performance against the Storm. And they would love to bounce back with a win here. The Eels, on the other hand, looked very clinical last week. And um, so I think they'll look to build off that. 
But by the way that he was being gone this year, they'll probably end up losing because they've been so win-loss, win-loss all season. But just going off the current form at the moment, I think the Eels can go up to Suncorp and get the W on Thursday night. Panthers versus Warriors. Oh boy, this one could get ugly. If the Warriors turn up like they did last week and the Panthers are in a mood, which they will be because their tails will be wagging after getting a big win in the uh, grand final rematch last week against the Bunnies, this could be a cricket score. And honestly, I think Penrith will take the, the score that Roosters put on last week as a challenge and try and like put a lot of points on the Warriors who have already conceded 70 once this season. But a little way back for the Panthers as well, which will give the whole team a boost of confidence. And a lot of people say that he's overrated this stat, but he plays his role perfectly, gives his outside men like, so much time and space to go and do their thing and absolutely rip. Like, you got Kikiaos, Tagos, like, Mays as well. Like, a large reason for them being so good this season is because of Luai. And as well, it just gives, like, he's a dressing room guy too. Like, you can't tell me Critter isn't going to be more excited for this game because he's got Luai playing out there as well. But yeah, so out of Penrith, I'm tipping their, the Panthers to win by an absolute shitload. So, on to the Storm versus Roosters. This one looks like one of the best games of the season after they both absolutely destroyed their opposition last week. Um, Storm obviously put 60 on the Broncos last like last round, and with Munster playing fullback, despite being named at 5'8", he's absolutely killing it, and honestly, he's probably one of, if not the best player in the comp at the moment. And the Roosters, like, on the other hand, look like absolute premiership contenders. So they obviously had a very slow start of the season, but I think, like, as I've like, sort of been talking about, you always sort of knew it was going to happen with the Roosters. You can never count them out, and they're really, really building up to peak at the right time of the season. They've also got some players coming back this round with Momoroski, Collins, and Tokayaho. And I just think uh, there'll be a bit of an upset here and the Roosters can get the win down at Amy Park in a very, very good game. So, um, on to the Raiders versus Manly. Unfortunately, I can only really see one result here. Um, it's down in Canberra. Raiders are playing for their season and the potential of playing finals footy. However, on the other hand, they'll have to play better than they did last week against the Knights because if they come out like that, Manly are a better quality side than the Knights and will probably make them pay and... Um, get over them in the end but mainly look like they've given up on the season so I think with that Raiders get the win and they'll be looking for it to be a big win because we'll talk about it later but their four and against is terrible in comparison to the Broncos which could be a deciding factor for who makes the finals out of the Raiders and the Broncos now onto the Sharks versus Doggies I think this game will have the sort of follow the same trajectory as last round like a lot of those teams especially ones in the top four absolutely dominated I think we'll see the same thing again here. The Sharks are really building into the finals, and as much as like the doggies have improved, especially in this back half of the season, uh, the Sharks will just be like too much for the doggies. That like I think they're looking forward to their Bali trip rather than playing this weekend. Uh, the Sharks are serious about being contenders in this comp. They need to make this game look like a like training run. Uh, they need to really put the doggies to the sword, and as well, the doggies have dropped uh, Pangai Junior to the Reggies, which I wonder is like to qualify them for their finals or not. But it's still interesting. Like uh, most players, apart from Adam Dewey would rather play first grade than reserve grade, especially NRL level. But I do think the Sharkies get the job done here and done well out at Shark Park. Now, on to the Rabbitohs versus the Cows. This is an absolute ripper of a game uh, to end the Saturday night. Uh, the Bunnies will be looking to like, show the comp what they're made of after a close loss to the Panthers last weekend. I think uh, for the like for the Rabbitohs, I think they, they feel that they can beat anyone, but it's time for them to prove it and show it to everyone else that they can do that. Uh, the Cowboys, unfortunately, suffered a big loss this week with Tommy Didden out because he's got a ruptured testicle, poor thing. But hopefully for them, it's just for this week. I think Anarol Physio is saying it's like more of a pain thing after that, so which there will be definitely a lot of. But interest, like interestingly, with the Cowboys, 
They've moved Drinkwater to 5'8 and Hammer to fullback. So I thought this was interesting because of how um, we saw last year with Drinkwater defending up in the front line. He was a bit of a liability. So, and that's not to say that Drinkwater's a bad player at all because he's not. He's absolutely killed it this season. But he was definitely targeted by teams last year up in that front line. And as well, by uh, moving him to 5'8 and Hammer to fullback, it changes two, two positions in the spine rather than just one if you just brought in Ben Hampton. But obviously, Todd Payton and the Cowboys staff think that this is their best uh, form of attack to round out the season into the finals. But, I hope, yeah, and I think, for me, I just hope for the Cowboys and Drinkwater's sake that he plays well and doesn't have, like, a drop in form or confidence right before finals because that could be de- detrimental to their premiership hopes. But, for me, I do see the Bunnies bouncing back this weekend with a bit of a statement win, and I think Troll Mint as well. Like, it's going to have a massive influence on this game as he has since he's come back. But yeah, in Sydney, Rabbitohs get the job done. Now, on to the two like, worst games of the round on Sunday. Dragons versus Tide, like, Tigers. This is a terrible game of footy. This comes from a Dragons fan too. So what I am looking to see uh, is the character and the ticker that the Tigers show after having 72 put on them last weekend. Because they'll either be out to restore some pride or they'll just roll over again. Uh, it's good to see that um, Jimmy Tarmow only got one week, so he can get a proper uh, farewell for his like, just amazing career. Couple couple time premiership winner and stuff out um, in round 25. So the Dragons, they looked fantastic last week with Sullivan at nine after McCulloch went off hurt. Um, and Amone was once again great since re-signing for the Dragons. He scored five tries his last two games, and I think it's... Like, that's what I'd like to see from coaches now. Like, obviously, Hook has put a bit of an arm around Amon's shoulder and said, you're the man for the job, and that's how he's responded. His management of some other players in the Dragon system, not so good, but it's good to see he's doing a good job there with Amone, and it's paying some dividends for them. So I'm happy to see that Sloan and Ford have been picked again for the NRL side because they're two of the only players out in reserve grade who like actually care, um, and that Sullivan remains in the nine. Dragon should win this game, but especially against the Tigers, you can never say that confidently. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers actually get a win here, but I am going to get tipped with the Dragons. Uh, Titans versus Knights. Now, if you watch this game and you don't go for the Titans or Knights, I don't know what to tell you. But in saying that, though, I might try tune in just to see how Payne Haas' young brother, uh, Clessy, I hope I said that right, goes on debut. Uh, but this game does not slight, excite me in the slightest. Even though uh, both teams had some positive to take out of last weekend, I think... Um, yeah, it's just, just a dead rubber game. Both teams not really interested in the rest of this season. So with the Titans at home, I think they'll put in performance for the fans and get the job done there. So now onto our new segment where I'm just going to be answering some of your guys' questions that you've asked me. So we'll get straight into it. So Nadia underscore Illa on Instagram has asked, do you think the Broncos would make the top eight? And if so, how far can they go? So this was answered by a few people over on TikTok as well. Um, and it ties in nicely with Tyler Sav04's question of do you think Raiders make the finals? So, we'll get into it. Raiders are currently two points behind the Broncos and have to play Manly and the Tigers. So you assume they finish on 30 points because uh, they're on 26 now. You assume they win both those games. So the Broncos are on 28 points and they play the Eels this weekend, which I think they'll lose. And then they play the Dragons, which they should win, but they could also lose as well. But theoretically, they should win, which will put them on 30 points as well. So the thing that with that that's in Broncos' favour is they have a 40 against of 20 and the Raiders is negative 25, so there's a 46-point difference. But if the Broncos lose and Raiders win this round, obviously that'll shrink, especially depending on how much the Raiders can beat Manly by. But 
I do think because the Broncos beat the Dragons and Dragons might give up like being the last game of the round, like last round of the season rather, I do think the Broncos scrape into the finals. But for Bronx fans, unfortunately, I think they'll be out in the first week of the finals. Now, at Kane.Luther on Instagram asks, what do the Cowboys need to do to become a premiership side? And honestly, only time. That's all they need. The Cowboys side, like it's very, very good side. But the only thing that lets them down really is like the finals experience. But in saying that, They've got a massive advantage over most teams in the comp by having a premiership-winning halfback in Chad Townsend. They've also got premiership-winning experience like with their players such as Valentine Holmes, who won with Townsend in 2016, and Tamalolo in their ranks as well. But there's lack a bit of finals experience elsewhere, which I think they'll get a lot of this year. Uh, but in saying that, I do think they've got a pretty good chance of going on to win the comp this season, but they'll be up there like at least until 2025 as premiership threats. Now, at Lomax.World on TikTok reckon, uh, asks, do I reckon Hunt will stay at the Dragons? Now, the Dragons apparently have low-bought him and offered him $700,000 a year, but there's a few things you've got to consider here. So, he's already 32, so you don't really want to be paying a 34-year-old a million bucks plus a year, especially because you get to the age, like, obviously your body gets more fragile and he could break down. But at the same time, he hasn't really had an extensive, like, injury list for himself. And he's been one of, if not the best player in the comp this year. However, the Dragons need to consider their future as well when they're like summing this up. Because if you re-sign Hunt, you're basically resigning yourself to the fact that Bud Sullivan's going to leave. And I think, especially after we saw how well Bud played on the weekend, like, he's the future of the club as well as Amone and Sloan and these young boys coming through. And I think with Sullivan, like he, he's, he's a half through and through. He wants to play half. A lot of people think Hunt's best hook position is hooker. But he doesn't want to. He's not interested in playing there. So it's like as much as you want Ben Hunt to be there while he's still one of the best players in the comp. You also got to consider like in the long run, how like are they more likely to win a comp with Sullivan at half back in five or six years, or with Hunt at half back over the next two or so years? But I think while so to answer the question, do I reckon Hunt will stay? I think while Hook is still a coach at the Dragons, Ben Hunt's going to stay at the Dragons. Um, whether they can come to agreement on the price or not, it's a different thing. But it's hard to say because as much as I love Ben Hunt, I think for the best interest of the, like the club is to keep Bud Sullivan and that's like those young boys happy. So be interesting to see what they go and do. Now at NRL.addict asks, do you think Para will win the comp by 2030? That's a very hard question to answer because the squads in the NRL just change so much, and who knows who'll be in the comp by then and what the um, Parramatta roster looks like in 2030 but I think looking to the immediate future if they don't win this season I don't think they'll win for a few years Papali is a huge loss and they're losing a lot of depth with players like uh, Nia Kore leaving but I cannot stress enough how big the loss of Reed Miney is going to be for the Eels if you look at all the teams in the comp that have a chance of winning the comp, like, have a chance of winning it this season they've all got really really great nines this is no disrespect to Josh Hodgson he's a, obviously a much better footy player than I am um, in my position as well so he absolutely shits all over me but Josh Hodgson is a good dummy half as well but he's also 10 years older than Reed Marnie they're paying him a lot of money um, he's at the twilight of his career compared to Marnie who's really only starting to enter his prime he's just going to get better and better for the doggies over the next few seasons so unfortunately for you Eels fans I don't see him winning a comp with Josh Hodgson but I do think they're actually a chance of winning the comp this year and you might call me crazy but I do think it's now and ever for the Eels for a bit of another like little rebuild so, thanks everyone for your questions. Um, sorry I couldn't get to all of them. There were plenty to get to, and keep sending them, like sending them in, and you'll be featured on one of them in like 
the next couple couple weeks for sure. So thank you for your support as well, um, everyone, for that one. So now we've made it to the end of another podcast. So if you made it this far, leave a like and a follow or subscribe, like whatever, on YouTube. Um, if you can leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and download it as well, um, that makes a massive difference. Um, help us like, reach a bigger audience and grow the podcast and better content for you guys in the future. But yeah, so thank you uh, for listening and have a good weekend, guys.